Welcome to the Pharmacy Quality Solutions Quality Corner Show, where we talk quality of healthcare and explore what that actually means. Let's dig into performance measurements, the equipped platform, pharmacy goals, and personal goals. We will also occasionally cover topical healthcare news and maybe throw into the conversation a few of our own nerdy passions and hobbies. So turn us up. The Quality Corner Show starts now. Hello, Quality Corner Show listeners. This is your host, Nick Dorich, and we welcome you to the next episode of the Quality Corner Show. We hope everyone has been well, whether it's adjusting at work to changes caused by COVID-19, and of course, we hope that everyone has been able to adjust to changes at home as well. There is a very large echo chamber about all of us being in this together, but that's not quite true. Each and every one of us is unique and different in our own way, and that's part of the excitement and the nature of humanity. So while we are all in this together, it does also have a unique impact on each and every one of us, and therefore how we react will also be unique. It's important to support patients, friends, family, and our community. But as a community, we must also learn and understand that we are not all dealing with this situation and our reactions are different. That's not good or bad, nor is it someone's reaction right or wrong. The importance of patience and understanding can never be stronger. During our earlier episodes, we did speak about the impact of COVID-19, and it was referenced at that time how some patients in certain communities are experiencing more dire consequences of the disease. Many public health experts and clinicians have been pointing to differences in social determinants of health as an underlying issue for positive outcomes with COVID-19. With this increased conversation about social determinants of health, it seemed like as good a time as any to discuss this topic on the Quality Corner Show. Social determinants of health are increasingly being researched and have grown in prominence with public health discussions. Many quality measures utilized in healthcare today, including those which are related to medication use, do not yet include social determinants of health or any impact to the performance measures due to those elements. But social determinants of health continue to be researched and models are being developed for use with quality measures. I've done a lot of talking already to start our episode, so I'm now gonna have the pleasure of introducing our guest. Like always, our team looks to invite guests that are experts in their field and who understand the topic better than we do. Today's guest is Dr. Vibhuti Arya. Vibhuti, welcome to the show. Thank you, Nick, so much for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. So Vibhuti, we appreciate you joining today's conversation, and I'm already looking forward to your thoughts and recommendations. You and I have known each other for a long time, so I know you always give 110%, and I would certainly encourage our listeners to look up some of your presentations and TED Talks. Uh, but before we begin our conversation, do you mind sharing a bit about your career, your current work, and finally, about your passion for social determinants of health? Sure. Um, so I actually am a faculty member at St. John's University in New York City. And as part of my role as clinical faculty, I work with the New York City Health Department as part of my practice site. So that's where I essentially take students on rotations. Most of the stuff that I teach um, is related to social determinants of health, and it's looking at a, how to integrate pharmacists and pharmacies into public health initiatives, really with a lens of equity. So teaching students how to think about social determinants of health, no matter where they're going to be practicing. And so the, my public health background and the reason I guess I got into this, um, you know, as an immigrant, as a first generation immigrant living in Washington Heights before it was made to be a musical um, in New York, uh, there's a lot of things that, you know, sort of come to light 
in our everyday lives that I don't think I actually thought about as social determinants of health or even inequities. It's just how life was. And so as I've gotten more privileged into the space of being a public health uh, professional as a pharmacist, um, and then, you know, really thinking about education and how to develop and train the next generation of clinicians, um, it's really been uh, wonderful to see sort of this continued thread in my life about how I've always been engaged in social determinants of health and, and um, uh, inequities in general. And so since I was a student, sort of focusing a lot heavily on public policy world and really determining um, causes and ways in which we can think about vulnerable populations and bring their voice to light. So I had more of a social justice, um, actually in theater, kind of a upbringing, so to speak, or background before I heavily immersed myself in the world of pharmacy. So I take that with me everywhere and have found through sort of comedy and improv and utilizing um, a little bit more of a lighthearted approach to have very difficult conversations with people. I found that to be sort of where I live um, in my work. And so I think that what's been most important for me is sort of bridging the gap of our students sort of patient care experiences, but also asking questions and bringing to light about the vulnerable populations and how they will be addressing their needs in their practice. Great. Really appreciate all the information and context. And uh, now that we've covered the groundwork and your credentials and your expertise in this area, we're going to jump into the details for today's topic, which is, again, social determinants of health. So we're going to begin at the beginning. It's a good place to start. How do you define social determinants of health and why should providers and public health officials and, all, and, and also policymakers, why should everyone be attentive to this topic? Well, I think that more recently than before, there's been a lot more, um, I guess, literature and evidence and data-driven approaches to understanding that social determinants of health actually impact people's lives and healthcare. So I think that one of the important things to think about is, so first of all, social determinants of health are really essentially everywhere that we live, eat, work, and play, right? So everything, when we think about patients making choices that impacts their health, those choices are very different for different patients. So for example, if a person has access to all sorts of things and all sorts of kinds of foods, the choice about their behavior when it comes to eating will be very different from those who may not have all the choices um, and frankly healthy food in their neighborhood. Right? So there are a lot of barriers that exist in people actually making those choices. And I think traditionally, the conversation has really focused on individual choices of patients. Right, So when we look at literature, when we read articles, it's all about what can I do as a person to minimize my risk for cardiovascular disease? What can I do to minimize my risk for other comorbidities, et cetera? But really, social determinants of health and this sort of recent emergence of talking about um, equity is thinking about how all of these social factors come into play when it, when it talks about patient choices, right? So um, the idea here is to think about the systems barriers instead of just individual barriers to good health when we think of community health or individual health. Again, a lot of the responses has been focused, especially as clinicians, we're trained to work one-on-one -on -one with a patient and say, here's what you need to do, um, as though something is always under their control to actually make decisions about their healthcare. And what we've realized is that so many of these factors on a social um, level, so socially determining what their health looks like, um, has to come into play because the choices that people make are often 
hindered by the systems that they live in and they interact with. And so it's really important for us to understand how we're actually thinking about those systems so that those systems can help our patients, help our individuals, help all of us make better choices for our health. It's not, inequities are not a result of a, a lapse in morality or bad judgment or bad choices. It's actually um, a tragic confluence of factors that actually impact how we can even make those choices, right? So access to care, access to food, access to play space, access to um, safety, all of those things that are, again, socially determined impact our health, both physically and mentally. And that's why it's really important for us to understand that on a community and population level so that we can stop blaming patients for choices and actually start changing the odds and changing the way that we interact um, in, in making those decisions. So your summary and your details there, Vibita, there's one part I picked out uh, kind of early on in your description and talking about the data and some of the information that's coming to light with this. It makes me think, do we, is it somewhat of a chicken and the egg situation where we're having more of a conversation because data is more available and we have more way to connect, share medical records, or is, it, is the data improvements in technology, is this bringing the topic to light or is it still being informative and, and we really have to take the ball and run with it to further promote the topic more? So, I mean, I think there's a lot, uh, it, this is, it's a little bit deeper than, um, I think it goes from anywhere to, I focus a lot on racial equity, right? And looking at racism as a root cause of, um, of a lot of poor health, actually. And one of the things that um, we need to think about is a conversation, there's sort of these prongs to this conversation. One is there's a systemic sort of issue, right? There's systemic racism in, that has sort of seeped through various fabrics of society, right? So every basically conceptual fabric, right? So politically, economically, socially, and then there's also individual choices and in where people live as a community. So we do now, well, first of all, data may have been there, but data are just data unless you analyze and actually turn it into intelligence, right? And so one opportunity here is, can we look at those data and ask the right questions and understand the limitations of those data so we can actually answer certain questions? And can we also look at data and, and look to see where there are disparities, where there are discrepancies, so that we can actually start asking other questions that we originally didn't ask, right? So yes, we need to use data, and I think data are bringing some of these things to light, but it's only gonna be as good as the people asking the questions. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, and this was not intentional why I asked that question and your, your response was natural to it, but it very much leads into the second question we had uh, that I had scripted with this episode and it's trying to determine where we get this information and how we use it. So you and I are both pharmacists. Uh, as pharmacists, whether it's someone that's practicing in a community pharmacy, in an ambulatory care setting or in a hospital, uh, is this something where pharmacists really have access to information or resources with their patients and some of the social determinants of health for their patients? Because from my experience, and it's been a while since I was behind the counter of a pharmacy, you saw a patient and you saw their insurance. This type of information wasn't readily available, but how you work with a patient, these are items that would probably pr be pretty helpful in, in understanding and reaching out to that patient in a way that is meaningful to them. So do you mind sharing a bit about the pharmacy practice and where that currently stands? Sure. And I think that there's, first of all, in healthcare in general, I think there's limited conversation taking place about 
um, inequities and social determinants and what we can actually tangibly do about it, right? One of the things that is really important to understand is that this issue runs very, very, very deep. And so we're not going to solve it right away, but we also are not going to necessarily find all the answers that we're looking for. It's a little bit of a rabbit hole that we go down, right? So on one level, I think there's a lot of research now, especially in social science, um, about sort of health disparities and what that means in terms of community health. So in, in the public health literature, there's a lot of information about um, social determinants of health and how community health actually is being impacted because of um, you know policies, the, the impact of policies and laws that have, um, even though they may not be sort of racially explicit, um, they have very uh, racist consequences, essentially, right? And so anytime that you're seeing disparities between groups, it begs the question, why do we see that? And I think that long time ago, and historically, the narrative has always sort of been that, you know, there are these, um, th that it's just, that's how it is, or there are certain population um, that's weaker, or for whatever reason is at a disadvantage. And I think that what we're finding out is that there are a lot of, um, uh, systemic sort of reasons for why that's happening. There's some, uh, in, and in some ways designed um, that it has le led to this kind of impact. Now there's all of that research about disparities, but when it comes to pharmacy practice, one of the things that I make it relevant for my students is, you know, we talk about the patient care process, right? The pharmacist at the forefront is there to interact with the patient, help them out. There's a lot of engagement that is happening that the pharmacist and patient both may not realize is happening. And so when we think about individual patient-centered care, one of the things that we have to think about is how am I understanding where my patient is coming from? How am I understanding what my patient's choices are? And how am I understanding how my patient sort of prioritizes to make those choices without any judgment? And that's where the hard part comes in, I think. And this is where a lot of the um, literature around implicit biases and sort of how we can deepen our own sense of understanding how we relate to people comes into play. Because part of what happens is that as a healthcare professional, I am taught to look at one-on-one -on -one individual care and I'm taught to know the answer. Right. Part of my competence and part of my confidence comes with me knowing what to say to my patient or what options to give them. But when I cannot have an honest conversation with a patient about really understanding what their needs are and not judging them for it, then I think it's hard to truly have good patient care. And so that's why I think pharmacists need to, um, we all need to sort of read some of this stuff, but also use the opportunities for our patient engagement to have those kinds of conversations um, without judgment and also as a learning opportunity because our patients are our partners in how we perceive their struggles, right? And how we perceive what's going on with them. And so I think that engaging in sort of this authentic exchange or dialogue about um, how our patients can improve their health, understanding their circumstances um, is really, really important for us because we can actually meet them where they are and, and provide resources, so to speak. So there's two takeaways that I have from the response there. One being it's not the information we have in our brains as a pharmacist isn't as important as how we're able to communicate it and motivate the patient to act upon it. And it's very difficult to do that if we're not understanding the motivations and the impact for that patient. So that's one part. The second part that I had as a big takeaway here 
you talked about how whether it's systems or just processes that have been in place, um, they may not be done inherently with a bias, but if bias, but if, if a bias does exist, that can continue to be exacerbated. And it, it makes me think of a, a common phrase where uh, the phrase being the most dangerous phrase in our language is we've always done it that way. And really that's, that's what we're trying to address. We want it to be different, right? Because we want to get away from doing those bad things. We want to get, we want to be striving for improvement. So the beauty, those are really great points and appreciate the context that's, that's there. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and move to our uh, final set question here for our conversation. And at the beginning of the podcast, we referenced quality measures and how there is some consideration to explore how measures can take social determinants of health into that assessment. Uh, we've seen that from organizations like CMS. We've seen that from measure developers that they're building that framework, and that's fantastic. Can you share any thoughts that you may have on how this can be applied, where this data can be used, and ultimately how this would impact providers and improve the care that they provide to patients? I think some of your last answer already started to address that, uh, but would like to see if you can go a little bit further down that rabbit hole. Sure. I think one of the most important things for us to understand is that, um, you know, as I talk about this among my, with my students, is that whatever we don't struggle with becomes invisible to us, right? And so I think that the more we are in this sort of privileged world of making decisions about healthcare and being providers, sometimes we can forget what our patients are going through. And I think that one of the most important things, if we're going to ever solve this or work towards mitigating some of the negative impacts of um, social determinants of health is that we need to bring our patients to the table and fully recognizing that one person's lived experience is not every person's lived experience. So moving away from sort of tokenism, right? To have that one, you know, patient who represents a sort of a, either a class or a um, race, ethnicity or a gender. It's, it's really thinking about how do we um, gain more of a comprehensive perspective from the get-go, right? So before we even develop these measures, does this make sense to anybody, right? Does, does, it, does it even jive with sort of what our patients are experiencing day to day? So, and I think that's one of the biggest things is bringing patients to the table and getting truly community engagement, right? So we um, at the New York City Health Department have a lot of, done a lot of work in this area and really thinking about the framework, shifting it from just having people at the table to truly consciously realizing where the shared decision-making lies and where's, where's that leader, the shared leadership, so to speak. And so I think that's really important. I think that in developing quality measures, whoever the constituents are, in this case, it would be patients, we need to bring them to the table and actually hear what they have to say and act on it, not just be there to sort of be presented with information and, and provide a rubber stamp, but actually be engaged in that process. So that's one thing, effective and true community engagement. And I think the other thing is that we need to think about how we're utilizing data to make them more digestible. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of data visualization. Um, I, you know, I've worked with GIS and we've been able to do a really cool project in um, New York City where we've geocoded every pharmacy across the city. And really before we have these data, before we had these data, um, most people when they think about you know, working with community pharmacies, um, I think the easy kind of go-to, and I'm giving this as an example in New York City, was, you know, chain pharmacies, easy to um, kind of deal with, right? Because you've got sort of a more consistent approach to all of their stores. If you talk to leadership, it kind of trickles down. 
and can be easily absorbed through some of the frontline stores. And what we realized when we looked at these um, data was that uh, 72% of all the pharmacies across New York City are independently owned, which is a big number, especially in a concentrated, densely populated urban area. And furthermore, 91% of all of the pharmacies that are in neighborhoods um, experiencing high poverty are all independently owned. And so that completely changes the question of how we even deal with, you know, pharmacists, for example, right, at the front of public health when we're engaging them. So if you're going to the chain these, they're not the ones who are in these medically underserved areas that we're looking to serve, right? But that's an example of how we can utilize data and say, aha, this is a conversation we need to have and we need to change who we're reaching out to so we can actually reach our patients, right? So that those patients who are served by those community pharmacies, now we can understand what that looks like across neighborhoods in New York City. So I think that um, certainly true community engagement, but then also looking at how we can utilize our data to turn them into intelligence so that we can actually have data-driven approaches. So we're not just talking about pharmacists being you know, accessible healthcare providers, but we actually have data to show that. And so I think including patients and including sort of the more grassroots effort is going to be really important if we're going to think about quality improvement and how to actually measure that performance, if that makes sense. Yeah, I've certainly seen with some measure developers and just conversations around data and healthcare is that patients need to be at the table. You referenced that uh, quite a number of times there in, in the, the background. And, you know, to that point, improving care, if it's not something that's aligned with what the patient expects, it's going to be very difficult for us to have any kind of meaningful improvement. So that's certainly an item that is being included. We're seeing that more and more would encourage uh, really all groups, but in, in providers, our, our pharmacists to think more about that. Uh, Vibuti, your, your time and energy for today's conversation has been greatly appreciated provided a lot of excellent details, and this should help provide a new perspective for many of our listeners. So I appreciate it and thank you for that point of view. When we get to this portion of the podcast, we like to end with a question that is still related to our topics of healthcare and quality, uh, but maybe get a sneak peek into some other meaningful topics and getting into some of the soft skills around pharmacy. I mentioned earlier in the recording that you've done some TED Talks and you've done a lot of public speaking opportunities. So I certainly know that you're someone that's not afraid to speak up and share your mind. We appreciate that. Pharmacy needs strong advocates and need pharmacists that are comfortable sharing with a larger audience. Uh, just like it's important to have the patient perspective with these measures and these outcomes, it's important that pharmacy shares its story. And I, I would say that that's an area where as great as pharmacists are, we, we as a profession need to be more comfortable with that. So Absolutely. do you mind sharing your perspective on public speaking and how a pharmacist can build their confidence and skill sets to do that effectively? Sure. And it actually goes back to this, this geocoded sort of project that I was talking about with GIS. One of the things that we're encouraging our pharmacists and we're forming this network is that um, they know a lot about the communities that they serve. And I think that as beautiful as it is that they're humble and don't need to sort of talk about it, um, you know, outside of the profession. I think it's really, really important because pharmacists within the community know their patients, they know what's going on. And if they were, I think it's really important for pharmacists to be able to utilize that and say, I know my patients, I know my profession, and I know how I serve my patients through my profession. I think it's a really, they're a really integral part of the community. And I think pharmacists have to speak up and advocate 
for them to be more involved in patient care as much as they're comfortable with. And I think also there are a lot of pharmacists who want to be more involved, for example, in the pandemic right now, right? This pandemic has sort of magnified all of these inequities to a level that is, you know, it's, it's unescapable or inescapable. And so I think one of the things to recognize is that pharmacists in the community, embedded in the community, they know a lot about their patients. And I think that that's intelligence. And I think that pharmacists ought to be proud of that. I think they ought to utilize that to serve their communities further and also to advocate for pharmacies and pharmacists to be um, a point in the community where, where we can actually um, sort of, you know, capitalize on that relationship and bring early detection, bring early treatment, bring more um, pharmacist input. And there's a lot of conversation that pharmacists have with their patients and they know how to motivate them. They know how to understand what their circumstances are. And so I think that there has to be a lot of work done here where we're comfortable in talking to our patients and advocating for them and with them um, in addition to advocating for our own professions. So, you know, continue to build those relationships um, that pharmacists have with their communities and continue to talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. It's important for us to go through, go out and have that conversation, share our experiences, um, collect data. Uh, those parts need to go hand in hand. The stories and the anecdotes are good, but at the same time, we do practice uh, evidence-based medicine, evidence-based research, right? So it's important we cover both of those items and it's gonna be uh, important to have it, but just effective storytelling communication is gonna be just as important. Uh, Absolutely. Beauty, I thank you again for your time today. Um, before we uh, close out, um, are there any other final comments, uh, remarks you'd like to make um, just for our listeners, for our pharmacists, for our pharmacy technicians, anything else that you would just like to share? I think just, you know, making sure I'm really glad to see that we're having this conversation about social determinants of health. There's a lot of work to be done. I think one is to embrace the lack of closure that we're not going to solve this problem right away, but there's a lot of work that pharmacists can do with their patients and on, and on our individual levels to really understand our own biases and sort of unpack ourselves so that we can be there as the best clinician for our patients. Perfect. So Vibuti, we appreciate you joining on today. We appreciate our listeners tuning into another episode of the Quality Corner Show. Uh, hopefully uh, you found this episode enlightening and informative. This episode has already covered a lot of material and uh, therefore it's time we close out the show. Our team here at PQS has a couple of favors to ask of you, our podcast listener. First, we encourage you to share this podcast with two friends, because if you share this with two friends, each of them shares it with two friends, it really helps us hit a larger listening audience. Second, we also want to take a moment to remind you to subscribe to the podcast wherever you may find it. And then if you have any questions or topics you would like us to address, please contact us. The best way to do so is to email info at pharmacyquality.com. Let us know what is on your mind and what we can address so that you are fully informed. Our goal is to continuously improve our podcast content and to provide meaningful information to our listeners based on the current topics in healthcare, technology, and quality measurement. We want to help you become as effective as possible in how you care for patients and improve public health outcomes. So until next time, we wish you well.